Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, yeah. I'm Chris Wilson. And I'm Dylan Gregory. And we host Backstage Gaming, a weekly podcast about video games and storytelling. We both play pretend professionally. Sometimes on stage with other people. And sometimes alone in a soundproof room. So join us every Monday while we talk about games, acting, and how a story comes together. Backstage Gaming. Dramatic takes on your favorite games. Part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash artcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 181 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who steals men's souls and makes them his slaves, Robert Workman. But I promise I will not charge you $12.99 a month to have access to me. I oh, steal souls for free. <laughs> yeah, all that wonderful news about Fallout 76. I'm like, oh, but no, we're not talking about Fallout here. We are talking about the Castlevania franchise, uh, the, the games we love, what possible future it has in store. Well, we're talking about all sorts of stuff where we whip it good and find a turkey in the wall because that's what we do. Uh, who do we got on our show this week? Uh, sure, yeah. So with us is my good buddy here, Andrew Moretti. So how's it going there, Andrew? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I uh, figured that we would have you on since I know you're a huge Castlevania fan. So what better just person? Just a little bit. Here? A little just, bit, just, yeah. Just, 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 just a tad. Just just a tad. Yeah. It, it destroyed, my, I'm not going to lie, the, you know, the original games destroyed my childhood because it was, you know, beyond impossible. But I still love the franchise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of seeing a little bit of a crossover, too, because I know you're a big Indiana Jones fan, too. So it's something with the whips, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> See, you got, you got to really ask the question here. What does he say more of, like, a, you know, why does it have to be snakes? Or what is a man? What's he saying? <laughs> what more is of? a kink? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, oh! Uh, you had to throw Indiana Jones in there. You, you had to throw Indiana Jones in there. Oh, okay, I had to. I get it. I had to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you clearly have have a very specific type here. So, <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. So we are talking about the Castlevania franchise, but first we wanted to get into some news, starting off with the Analog Pocket, which is basically like the latest console here in the line of Analog's consoles. Uh, this is like the handheld one that they're coming out with, uh, which is going to be able to play basically the uh, the line of, of Game Boy games here. There's um, uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games that I could play, and it will also have support too for Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket Color, and Atari Lynx through add-on adapters. Uh, so all that sounds great, but there's also the price, which is $200. So, Robert, I have to ask you, does that seem like too much? 
Um, it depends how much the adapters are to go along with that, but I mean, we are talking about a device that has a D-pad, four face buttons, a beautiful screen, a nice slim build. You know, it's got a 3.5-inch, 615 PPI LTPS LCD panel. I, I assume you. that's nice. <laughs> I, I assume that's nice. I don't know my tech incredibly well, but I assume that's a very nice screen here. So if you are going to play handheld games, this is probably the best way to do it. And if the adapters don't cost too much, it's not too bad. I mean, I know some people would rather buy, like, you know, a Switch Lite for that price. But, I mean, if you mm-hmm. want to go all retro and you want to take a number of your games with you, I mean, it's not bad. You know, Analog does make good systems. It's just they a do, matter yeah. of pricing them a little better. But they do a great job with their technology. So, I mean, you can't really complain too much. I'd probably go after it if I had this thing called money. Yeah, exactly. And like, it also has like a pretty cool uh, feature as well, like where it basically has like a dock. So it's kind of like a switch in that case, actually, where you can like dock and play games on your TV as well. Um, So I mean, there's that aspect of it. It's just again, it's just like the price and like, you know, again, like the price of the like adapters or like the um, um, or like the yeah, the like adapters, basically. So but it is pretty cool though like that you can't play like you know again there's all like original like cartridges and all that too so basically like the best way i guess to play like your old games like on your newer tvs in that case um so andrew i have to ask you like is this something that would possibly be of interest for you yeah that sounds um sounds very interesting to me to be honest with you absolutely yeah i mean is there like a particular like lineup of like handheld like games that you would most want to play on this Honestly, you know what I'd love to you know what I'd love to play through again. If you let's go back to Game Boy, mm-hmm. um, you know what I really loved as a kid was um, Batman, uh, Tim Burton's Batman on Game Boy. Oh, that yeah. was amazing. Yeah, that, that was, was I, I, that, that, that was a great game. That was a, I used to play that game time in and time out. Even um, like the Mario Brother games that came out for Game Boy were a lot of fun too. So like Super Mario Land and all that, yeah. Super Mario Land stuff like that, or Super Mario. You know, uh, even the Wario games were really fun. Mm. Um, you know, I could I could go down. You know, um, actually, another game I enjoyed for Game Boy as a kid, I don't know if you guys played it, was Hunt for the Red October was really good, too, believe it or not, oh, yeah. for the Game Boy. <laughs> I actually missed that one. Huh. That game was awesome. That game was awesome. I mean, What kind was... of game was that, exactly? You're, you're basically maybe, in a... Sub- no, no, it wasn't even a sim. You're in the you're in the Red October, and you're basically getting attacked by subs, and you're shooting torpedoes at other subs. It was just real. It was just a really cool game. So was it like first person, like shooting other subs in a submarine kind of thing, or...? It was kind of like it was kind of like 2D underwater, and you're controlling it up and down. You're going down, you're going up, and you're shooting torpedoes at other uh, submarines. Oh, so it's like a side view kind of thing when, yeah, when you're in the yeah. submarine, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking that maybe it was like something like the NES game Silent Service, which is a game that I personally owned, where you're actually in the submarine and you actually have to like manage like things in different parts of the submarine and shoot and, and you know shoot ships and all that stuff and you know, have to, like, avoid, like, depth charges and all that stuff, but, like, it's all done in, like, first person as you're looking through, like, the periscope whenever you're, like, actually shooting, like, uh, you know, like, missiles and stuff like that, so well, it's, uh, it's pretty nice. If anything, the game serves as a benefit to use my Sean Connery voice, or oh, Captain, I, I believe I have to sink, <laughs> have to sink the ship, to sink the Bismarck. You have to sink the ship. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, you call this archaeology? <laughs> Belongs in the museum. <laughs> so do you. So, uh, so Robert, I I know like for you like revenge of the gator would certainly be high up there as far as like, of the game course games. it'd be up there that one the, <laughs> the ninja turtles games tetris r-type i mean oh, you can run through a number God. of classes but the thing i'm excited for is game gear you remember like the old game gear is a wide 
system. Oh, yeah. You know, that, I found mine recently too. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, on, like a tinier handheld, it's a lot more practical. The screen would probably be just as nice. You know, I'd, I'd be down for doing that. And of course, Neo Geo Pocket Color in your corner because yes. SNK versus Capcom and the Metal Slug games and Sonic and all that. Those were all great games too. So, I mean, the only thing that you're missing is a clicky stick in that case. So. <laughs> you can always just install your own. Oh my you're God. So crafty. I mean, I guess you could if you're if you're crafty enough, yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the analog pocket does seem pretty cool. Uh, definitely a lot of um, a lot of flexibility as far as what it can play, and certainly seems like the ultimate like handheld device as far as like retro gaming is concerned. But uh, that price might be a little too much to swallow for some people, especially if you're looking at the uh, you know at, like the adapters and how much those are going to be. So we'll wait and see like on how that is. But otherwise, it is pretty impressive. Just maybe the price might be. A bit on the steep side, how like you know how like a lot of analogs consoles are. So yeah, but you know there there could be a higher price that you pay there, David, because it seems like someone really, 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 really wanted to start like a super rare retro collection right off the bat. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, now we are of course talking about a dentist who spent one point oh two million dollars on a number of first edition sticker sealed games. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, like 40 games. He paid $1 million for 40 games. You know how many games I could buy for a million dollars? A lot more than freaking 40. But but how does a dentist have that kind of money? He must be, you know, I'm not being a, an anti-dentite whatsoever here. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to make the dentist union bad. You're an anti-dentite. I am not an anti-dentite. I heard you're anti-dentist. Come here and let me see your gums. Come here. <laughs> but wow, getting back on that, that's a lot of money for that. It is. Yeah, but like the games that he did get, though, were, were like 1986's Mario Brothers, as well as the only known copies of 1985's Golf, 1986's Balloon Fight, and 1986's Gumshoe, which uh, Gumshoe, I think, if I remember correctly, that's one of the rare Zapper games, right? Yeah, it was. And, and you're like, you don't, you don't, like, you shoot it in an on screen character, is what it was. It, it was sort of like a platformer, but you controlled his actions with the gun by shooting at him. That's right. Yeah, I think that was the. But I mean, like, I mean, these games exist. I think these were just like special editions or something like that. Yeah, I mean, these are basically the like original factory sealed versions of these games. That's why. So that's that's why they're like super rare. And apparently, this dentist, like, he he must have got in touch with like a bunch of like different like collectors. Um, you know, because he like he he basically said that he used to collect baseball cards. And uh, it took far too much money, he said, to buy a single card. So he was looking to form a collection that could rank as one of the best in the world. So he's just like a big fan of just like collecting things in general, but only collecting things that are actually like super rare or like quote unquote worth collecting in a way. So uh, I don't know if he's just like a big gamer in general or if like, you know, gaming just seemed to be an accessible way for him to collect games, basically, or or, like collect things, whatever, in this case. Um, so like, it seems like he basically got in touch with like, uh, with, you know, with like a number of collectors in order to, uh, basically pay them all, like, I guess like a lump sum, maybe they like divvied it up in some way or something along those lines. Uh, but in total, it was over a million dollars for these 40 games, um, which is insane. So like, it's, it's definitely high up there. And, um, you know, it says here like from, um, uh, what was it from the Washington Post, actually, that some experts consider to uh, consider it to be one of the foremost collections in the world, both in terms of overall value and rarity. So, I mean, this guy wanted wanted a rare collection. He got it. So and he didn't have to get any any, any baseball cards for it either. So. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think he's going the opposite way when it comes to starting a collection. 
Um, when I started to like collect games, I didn't go after rarities right away. I, I, I started by building a base. You know, I'm, does he have an NES is the question. You know, I'm like, you got to start small, I would think, with something like, you know, I see collections all the time, people selling $5,000 worth of games, and it's hundreds of Genesis cartridges to go along with the system or a Super Nintendo or something like that. You want to build a base upon it, and then, you know, once you have a good, stable collection going, then you hunt after the rarities. That's That's kind of what I do. You know, I've got a Nintendo Switch collection that's, nearing 100 games at this point and now i'm starting to track down games i really want in the collection uh, when i can afford them obviously but you know i just got a uh, river city girls from limited run games the other day i've been wanting the hell out of that and i'm supposed to get the ninja saviors which is ninja warriors really i don't know why they call oh, it yeah. that, but i'm getting that too you know so i mean when it comes to building a collection i think this guy's going to have so if it's his, if it, it's his money if he's happy that's fantastic, but a million dollars, you can you could pretty much have like one of those console layouts, like this is the Saturn, the PlayStation, the Genesis, <laughs> the Super Nintendo, the NES, you know, set up the base and everything and then start building the game libraries around it. Sure. But then again, that's just my perspective when it comes to collecting. Yeah, I mean, clearly he has like a different perspective as far as like how he wanted to go about this. And I mean, you know, he came from like collecting baseball cards. The baseball cards can also be like stupidly expensive as well. So oh, can't oh, I guess like for him, it's just a matter of like just finding like something that's rare for him to collect and in this particular case he looked at gaming since obviously retro gaming is very hot as far as like collect you know as, as far as far as like collecting is concerned so um andrew i, I have to ask you like is you know, there's like one one retro game i guess that you don't have that you would love to have like you know like mint in box whatever you know whatever condition it might be uh which one would be like the first one on your mind the first that like like a are you talking about like just like a, a rare game or just a, any game like what like something? any any game that you hold value to like it doesn't have to actually be super rare but like something that you hold value to oh gee. oh my god honestly i'd have to say i had the opportunity to get it when Funkoland was around and i didn't buy it that's many moons ago um <laughs> castlevania 10 castlevania rex draculex oh yeah yeah i i well, i had the opportunity to get it I never forget. I had, it was like forty bucks. No, I'm, I'm not making this up. It was like it was literally forty bucks. No, do you mean like the super the Super Nintendo, you mean super Nintendo the super, version the super, or the Turbo? No, the, oh, okay. the super oh yeah, Dracula X. Yeah, the, yeah the, right. the Super Nintendo version. I didn't buy it. I ended up buying Super Castlevania instead. I have no regrets. Mm. I have no regrets. Good but now at 36 years old, when I look at the price of what Castlevania X is going for, and it was about 300 more, and it was like that. it was brand new though. It wasn't even used. It was brand new. It's like it's like somebody bought it, returned it, didn't want it, and it was right there. I didn't buy it. I bought Super Castlevania because a friend of mine was like, "Oh, you need to get Castlevania Four because that's the best. That's one of the best Castlevanias." Like, okay, that's my one game. I wish I. That's one of my. I mean, I have it digitally. Don't get me wrong; the game's hard as hell, (laughs) but um, that's that's one of the games I wish I owned sealed for sure. Well, uh, hopefully this dentist uh, will love this collection uh, after spending a million dollars on it. And who knows if he'll build upon it, too. Like, you know, we'll, Maybe. we'll wait and see yeah, on that. Really. Maybe. Uh, but, like, the next story that we want to hit on here is uh, with a WWE NXT champion, Adam Cole, sharing his love for retro gaming. So, Ooh. Robert, can you, think, can you talk a little bit more about this? Well, first off, Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a wrestler. He's currently he's currently with the Undisputed Era in NXT, but he recently had an interview with GameSpot where he talked about his love of classic gaming. He says he's a big fan of the original Road Rash as well as Super Mario World, Sonic 2, Streets of Rage 2, uh, Turtles in Time, 
the arcade game. Yeah. It's Pac-Man, Pac-Man. I mean, he recently appeared in Up, Up, Down, Down, and he, you know, took on uh, Austin Creed there, um, Xavier Woods, uh, in the middle of some matchups too. So, I mean, his old school love really shines, and it's really cool because he's like, he's the latest wrestler to admit that they like video games. Mm-hmm. And it's just it shows off more of their personality. You know, like you watch him on TV, you'd be like, oh, well, he's a real asshole. He must go and stomp on people in real life. But no, no, he's actually an old school retro nerd, which is <laughs> That's amazing. pretty cool to say the least. So, I mean, it's a real eye opening interview. And it's just another proof, piece of proof that, you know, these these wrestlers can be nerds just like us. You know, like uh, yeah. there's a there's a female wrestler by the name of Asuka. She's part of the uh, Raw roster. And all the time she's posting all these clips of her dying in video games. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I guess she likes perishing or whatever, but she was even playing Elevator Action Returns at one point. Ooh, and I'm like, nice. yeah, total nerd. She's after but, my own yeah. heart with that one then. So. Yeah. Um, I saw her first, sorry. Yeah. Um, it seems like a lot of other wrestlers, too, have been kind of like sharing like their love for gaming, period, like along with Austin Creed for sure. But uh, there was also, um, what, what's like the name of the guy, Sean something, like the, the pasty white guy, like he's out, you know, he has like the Irish motif like about him. Um... Seamus? Seamus, that's who I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I know he's, like, a huge gaming fan as well, so... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's, like, talking about that, but, yeah, it looks like Adam Cole's, like, the latest one to share his love for gaming, and certainly on, on Up, Up, Down, Down is, with his appearance there is pretty cool, so... Yeah, I thought it was really cool, yeah, nice little uh, personality quirk, you know, so you actually think he's cool already, and I'm like, oh, he's even cooler than I thought. Yeah, and, like, he, he even mentions, like, kind of, like, a rare one, too, because, like, you know, he mentions, like, you know, with, like, Sonic 2 and Streets of Rage 2, Super Mario World and all that, um, but... Time Crisis 2, he also gives that a shout-out. And Time Crisis 2, exactly, yeah, yeah, so, but, like, he also mentioned the, uh, the PS1 game 1, um, which is apparently a run-and-gun shooter-style game, he says. Uh, oh, that, yeah. That was really wonky with stuff exploding all around you all the time. So um, I think I've heard of one before. Like, every time I hear yeah. one, I, I instinctively think of the one, which is like the Jet Li movie. You know? uh, yeah, let's not remember that one. But yeah, I mean, one was just like this over-the-top Contra-style shooter with all these different scenarios that kept getting bigger and bigger. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. So okay. I can totally see why he enjoys it. There you go. There you go. And um, one game that you can really enjoy here, too, is Rising Hell, which is the game code I have here. Uh, so this is for Steam. Rising Hell is a vertical platformer roguelike filled with adrenaline-pumping action and tons of heavy metal shreds. In the randomly generated and ever-changing landscape of Hell, you will encounter different creatures, bosses, and living traps lurking around. Fight your way through it all as you unlock new characters and talents. Chaining combos, jumping maneuvers, and talent building will be your key to triumph over the merciless hell. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Uh, Again, this is a Steam code. The code is M-N-P-I-C-F-R-2-4-A-M-I-P-2-P. Again, that's Rising Hell on Steam. Enjoy. And if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at our podcast on Twitter. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. Since this is a Castlevania episode, we were talking about a Castlevania game here uh, that we haven't mentioned on the Stage of History, which is Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. Ooh. So this is a 1990 action platformer by Konami. Multiple endings are available depending on which branching paths the player chooses. The music quality had to be downgraded from porting from the Famicom because of the NES's inability to support external sound chips. 
And the North American box art was designed by Tom Dubois, who later worked on Super Castlevania 4, Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge, and Castlevania Bloodlines. So I know um, I know for Tom Dubois, like a lot of his influence, like for his art, uh, actually comes from um, from Harryhausen, the uh, the special effects artist from like movies way back then. So you could definitely see that, like with like you know with, like Castlevania 4, and like certainly with like Castlevania 3 and all that stuff for sure. Um, so Andrew, we'll have you start off. What is your experience with Castlevania 3? Well, we'll start things off. Castlevania 3 um, is my favorite Castlevania of all time. Um, it holds a, a very soft spot in my heart. I mean, it's um, it, the first game I've ever played as a, as a kid where you could play multiple characters. You know, like you, mm. you switch. That's a big you know, deal back you, then. Well, yeah, you switch from, from, uh, from Trevor Belmont. You could play as Grant, and then you could play, you could play as Alucard, Dracula's son. You know, half vampire, half human, which is awesome beyond belief mm-hmm. but there's one thing i really loved about dracula's curse it's actually a prequel to the original castlevania that came out for the nas trevor belmont is actually simon's father which is which is like you know at the time when i was like wow that's mind-blowing it like it's like the first time i ever played the game that went backwards you know it wasn't a sequel it was like it was a prequel in this case yeah yeah well, yeah yeah it's like it's the it's the you know he was the first belmont that went after dracula you know, according according to what I, you know, it's just unbelievable. It's by far one of the hardest games even to date for, to me, you know, but I, I mean, it's actually one of the first Castlevania games I can actually say I actually beat it without Game Genie, which hmm. it's hard as hell. The controls are, are tough, especially the clock tower when you're, you know, you're, you play as Grant. That's when you get Grant. The music, the, like the introduction alone to Dracula's Curse is amazing. Like he's, hmm. you see, you see, you see Trevor just sitting there praying by the cross, and then you see the lightning going back and forth. Like for an eight-bit console, that's amazing. Like that was just so well done. I would love to see a Castlevania game come out that is kind of like that. You know, you do have games hmm. out there that have, you know, stems from Castlevania that you know took things out of this game, but I would love to see Konami come out with a game something similar to this. Go back to that room. I mean, I guess like the closest thing you have as far as like a modern release is Curse of the Moon, really. That was like the Bloodstained which prequel. is Which yeah. is which is fantastic. Like that, to me, that was Dracula's Curse. But yeah. when Castlevania started going into the, into the 3D stuff and all that other stuff, it didn't feel like a true Castlevania, at least in my opinion. Like Dracula's Curse, hands down, in my opinion, one of the best Castlevania games to date. Um, I think one really cool thing I liked about this is being able to just, like take different routes in the game because I think this is one of the first games that offered alternate routes. Uh, I don't think it was like a point A to point B adventure. There was also point B, point C, point D. You know, you could take different routes, yeah. get different endings. I believe. Um, I think it was the first game in the series that was not linear in that case. Yeah, so. it was really cool how uh, how that happened, and I enjoyed the gameplay. I enjoyed the return to form because I did not get into Simon's Quest that much. So this was actually a nice little return to form for the series for me. And I'll be honest, playing it again with the Castlevania collection that came out a little while ago, which we'll talk about, is really cool. You know, just play it on the go on Switch, or you can play it at home on the PS4 or Xbox One. I mean, it's 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 perfect. The, the translation is perfect. M2, uh, the guys who usually do the Sega Ages games, did so well with the game's translation. So being able to go back and play that game without having to pay, what, the $40 for the cartridge that what it goes for now it, oh, it's really? just oh. really yeah it's up there you know people really like castlevania 3 and for good reason it's an amazing game um mm. probably one of the best games in the series so yeah my experience is i think with the alternate routes the different characters and the kind of the return to form to what castlevania is i think those are the things that are a winner with me 
That's going to lead us now to Obscura. And for Obscura, I, I was going to do Castlevania Judgment, but I have a feeling I've covered that before because it is the only Castlevania fighting game out there. So I wanted to cover a game we can't really get anymore, and that is Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth. Now, this was released in 2009 as part of the Wii's WiiWare lineup, which means you could download it to your system at the time. Uh, it's a revamped version of a classic castlevania game um i think it plays a little bit like a mixture of castlevania with a slight bit of haunted castle thrown in but it definitely has the castlevania edge to it you still have a whip and you can still collect orbs and and pick up different weapons there but it was really cool how it stuck to the old school formula uh once again i think this was the last title koji igarashi worked on before he went off to do his own thing with bloodstained and right. uh, it was composed by Manabu Namiki, who also worked on other titles in the Rebirth series. But he did a fantastic job with the soundtrack. Um, so it's really cool. And it had a different Belmont, Christopher Belmont, in it, uh, who was an ancestor of Simon. Um, so it introduced a new character, kind of a new graphic style, but it captured the old school essence of Castlevania gameplay. And the sad part is you can't get it anymore. It was kind of like delisted when um, the whole Nintendo shop thing went down as of uh, 2018. So, we were a shop, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So now because of that, the game's not available. I know a lot of people have been talking to Konami about re-releasing the Rebirth games. And maybe one day we, we got the collections, but I would love to see Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth make a turnaround because... I really enjoyed what it had to offer. It was short, it was sweet, it was a, a great game, and you know, 10 years later, it still stands fresh in my mind. You guys probably didn't have a chance to play it, though, did you? You know, I, I heard of it. Um, I just never had the opportunity to download it. I remember seeing it at the store, and I was like, what is this? But I just never, no, I kind of wish I did, to be just to say I can actually say I tried it. Yeah, I mean, I never owned the Wii, so like I never had like you know real, real like a chance to play it in that case. But um, it certainly looks interesting, and like um, it, like is it supposed to be like basically a um, basically like a remake of the original Game Boy? Yeah, game? it had. Is that it, what yeah, it was okay. kind of like the they captured that vibe. But like I said, it has little modern style play, so it it feels. It's got a slight feeling of Haunted Castle, but not to the point where it's just completely sluggish like that. So it's a, it's got kind of the look, if you will, mixed in with traditional Castlevania controls. So it feels great. So it kind of looks like Haunted Castle in, in a lot of ways, but it plays more like a traditional Castlevania. Yeah, game, it's got, it's got okay. a kind of the graphic vibe to that, but I really enjoyed it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool like if there was like a rebirth, like I don't know, like a rebirth collection. In that case, as you mentioned, there, Robert, like if you had like this with Gradius Rebirth and Contra Rebirth yeah. too, mm -hmm. um, I think that would be like certainly one that a lot of people would jump up on. We'll cross our fingers for that one. Hey, I'm Chris Wilson, and I'm Dylan Gregory, and we host Backstage Gaming, a weekly podcast about video games and storytelling. We both play pretend professionally, sometimes on stage with other people, and sometimes alone in a soundproof room. So join us every Monday while we talk about games, acting, and how a story comes together. Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. Part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. And that's going to lead us now to our main topic, which is celebrating all things Castlevania. Since we are talking about Castlevania here, uh, you know, we'll, we'll first get into, I guess, like with why it is such a beloved franchise. And um, Andrew, like I know that you personally have like a lot of love for this franchise. So can you Absolutely. get into like some specifics, I guess, with why you think it's so beloved or why it's beloved by you personally? Well, it all started. I have two older brothers and um, I remember I was probably 
I was probably my uh, oldest son's age. I was probably like maybe five or six years old. I watched my oldest brother play the original Castlevania, and I was just amazed by you know because I because I only played you know Mario Brothers and Zelda and stuff like that. I've never seen a game like Castlevania in my life when I was around six years old. Might have been even younger. Um, ever since I saw my brother play Castlevania, I'm just like. I want to play this. And I remember he told me, no, this game's too hard. You can't play it. So I don't know if that was a sign that <laughs> that's, that was all these, my brother said to me, you can't play it. It's too hard. You can't play it. It's too hard. So I'm seeing some parallels with like that relationship and the relationship with you and your son. As well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I tell it is like, you can't play it. It's too hard. But in reality, <laughs> but in reality, I was the first Moretti brother who ever beat Castlevania without, oh. yeah, well, it was, yep. My brothers could not beat it. I sat down, played it. I lost countless times. You know, just the game was hard as heck. But like you said, like, you know, about 25 minutes ago, Indiana Jones. Love Indiana Jones. The fact that you're walking around with a whip and taking things out. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Castlevania, the original Castlevania, that's what it all started for me. Um, I wish I got more involved with Simon's Quest because I've heard that um, even though it's a totally different style game, it's more of like... It's kind of like a, you know, Link's Quest type of thing where you're just going back and forth yeah. and trying to, you know, as an adult, it's one of those games I wouldn't mind going back into and saying, this is actually an adventure game. you got to find Dracula's body parts and all this other stuff throughout, you know, it's, you know, it day and night and stuff like that. Like, the whole concept is really cool, but... Well, I mean, like for like for like Nintendo Power, they had the cover for like Castlevania Two actually, and like it, and, and, like the, and like the cover showed like someone dressed up as Simon Belmont holding uh, holding Dracula's severed head, and that caused like a big uproar with yeah. like mothers like all around the country. I, I get that. I, but I mean, it was actually communicating properly like what the game was actually about, which is finding Dracula's body parts. In that case, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's just one of those games I kind of wish I I. I wouldn't mind delving back into it and just say, okay, I just want to play through and say I could actually beat it. Because I beat almost every single Castlevania. Simon's Quest is one of them I just never did. So what if you came home from work one day and Aiden showed you that he beat Castlevania too? I would bow down to him. Because to me, that's... <laughs> I, I'm not worthy. <laughs> because that is one of the hardest games I've ever played. Like, I just... It's 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 such a hard game. Because it, it's a very strategic Castlevania. You gotta... You have to know what to do during the daylight. You got to know what you got to do at nighttime. It's right. crazy. It's, it. it, it, it's, yeah. it's 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 crazy. It's kind of like um, I hate to bring up a really really awesome game like a Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde. <laughs> you know, it's got it's got, <laughs> okay. it's got it's got that same type of vibe where it's like that's similar. You know, yeah, I can see that similar similar things where it's like day then night. It's like you're Jekyll. You're walking around. You're Hyde. It's nighttime. So it's very. Um, then, of course, we know about uh, Dracula's Curse, and then the rest is history. And then Super Castlevania, um, the soundtrack alone is just amazing. Like, that was just unbelievable. The fact that you can control the whip in multiple directions is incredible. Um, right. yeah. and, and Symphony of the Night, getting back to what Robert was saying, you played his a la card. That was, you know, in a class of its own. You know, one of the best, one of the best soundtracks, in my opinion, to date. Um you're going, you know, and it was a very long game. Like you thought you beat the game, and then no, you got to go back, and the and the and the the castle is upside down. So it was a very interesting taste. But you know, I just wish Konami would, you know, it's such a great franchise. I just wish, you know, 
Konami didn't really, you know, they just like they just brushed it off. You know, you could do so much with that game. It's just this they they did so well in the beginning. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, even Genesis. There were games for Genesis, you know, and uh, all you know, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. They just had so many games come out. So yeah. I know I'm the Game Boy gonna, Advance games are like very beloved by law fans. So yeah, I mean, I just you know, it's just they had such a good thing going. It's like they just put it to bed. I mean, you know, they they do have that. Um, what was it like the mobile game that's coming out? I believe right. It's like like it's just called Grimoire Souls, right? Yeah, something like that. And um, one game I really, one Castlevania that I really loved, and a lot of people did it. I I like the concept was Lords of Shadow. Very very, you know, the controls were kind of iffy. Uh, the lore was interesting because you played as Gabriel Belmont, who in fact is Dracula, basically the very first Belmont. I thought that was very interesting. The controls were, you know, the camera angles were very bad. But if you get get past that, it was actually, in my opinion, I thought it was a very entertaining game. Nothing like its predecessors before it, but I I thought it was it was top notch. And the voice acting for uh, for uh, Gabriel was amazing, absolutely incredible. I mean, I know the Lords of Shadow games kind of got like brushed aside for the most part because they were just kind of seen as God of War clones for the most part, like with the way that like your character moved and and, the, and like uh, you know fought and all that stuff. Yeah. Too. Yep. With that said, then, because um, obviously with like the Castlevania series, like it hasn't really been in its heyday for like a long, long while, really. Um, so, what would you say is like the way that the Castlevania franchise can be good again? Well, first steps already been made, and that is releasing the Castlevania collection, because this was a neat little surprise. It comes on the heels of uh, last year's Requiem release, which included uh, Rondo of Blood, obviously, and Symphony of the Night for PlayStation 4. So this kind of followed on that, but it celebrated a lot of the games that people may not have seen, you know, like the Game Boy games, and obviously one of the best games in the series that I thought deserved a recelebration, and that's Castlevania Bloodlines. Uh, this is, of course, the game that came out originally for Sega Genesis. Absolutely loved it. It had the music, it had the gameplay. Visuals were spectacular for the Sega Genesis. It was just really good and even sega recognized how good a game it is they threw it in with their sega genesis mini system so you know there, there's a lot of love there for bloodlines you know this was a a great collection that did really well for konami so maybe it's waking up to the idea that hey castlevania is not dead you know so it's a step in the right direction because you know like two years ago if they had announced a new castlevania game it probably would have been something like pachinko slot akumajo dracula <laughs> 2 or something you know because the, they were doing all slot machines they didn't really care about consoles at the time but now it starts right. seems like they're seeping back into that that's not to say we're going to get a new castlevania tomorrow because they don't have igarashi because he did bloodstains i mean they can still do it it's just that they would have to have like other people on board who can still keep the spirit of those games alive and as andrew mentioned i mean like a, like a lot of like what what Castlevania purists, I guess, love about those games is like the hardcore 2D, like action platforming style of it. Yes. You know? yes. Um, and obviously, yeah. like all of its, like, you know, all of its, like, attempts into 3D have largely been criticized for the most part. I mean, there's also, you know, there, there's obviously with, with Castlevania 64. Um, which I personally played and, uh, you know, certainly still have nightmares of to, to this day, um, not from the game content itself, but because of how it played. Um, but, um, you know, but also with like Lords of Shadow and like, there, there are people who love Lords of Shadow for sure, but I think for the most part, people would rather see a brand new hardcore, like 2D Castlevania game, kind of like how Bloodstain was, because Bloodstain was kind of scratching that itch really for a lot of those Castlevania fans. And that's why, you know, that Konami is coming out with Grimoire of Souls, but the fact that it is going to be a mobile-only game um, is certainly turning off a lot of people. So 
I don't know. I mean, like, it seems like they're kind of like halfway there, but not quite, you know? Like I said, they're still trying to get their feet wet and everything like that, but it's just... I, I totally get where you're coming from, though. I mean, a new console version would just be really cool. Like on Switch or something, yeah. There's one Castlevania game I really love. I don't know if you two played it, but um, it came out for the original Xbox I and PlayStation 2, Curse of Darkness. You played oh, as true. Dracula's general. Like his his old yeah his old general and I thought that was really well done. You didn't have a, you didn't have a whip. Um yeah you had a sword. It was kind of obviously it was sort of you know you Symphony you, of the Night kind of thing. Symphony, yeah. Symphony of the Night type of thing, but it was really well done. Like soundtrack was stellar. Like almost every Castlevania game, or if not every, any Castlevania game I ever played, the soundtrack the soundtrack was always good in my opinion. They just really just did well that sort of thing mm-hmm. but yeah you played at you played as his general and you were actually human you weren't a vampire so you were dracula's general just basically going back to stop dracula because of what he was doing so it was it was a really it really at the time it was a really good game when it mm. came to the 3d games in the castlevania legacy they either ultra sucked or they were actually Really good. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like the N64 games, uh, both Castlevania 64 <laughs> and Legacy of Darkness, need ideas, but they didn't exactly translate into the greatest of gameplay. But then we had like the, the 3D games on PlayStation 2, and they weren't bad. Then we had Lords of Shadow, which was really good. Lords of Shadow 2, which was all right, but not as good. And it's just weird. You know, it, it's like there was never really any middle ground. Either the games are really good, or what the hell is this garbage? You know, or and then we had Judgment, no. which I. You know, the fighting game. (laughs) I had no idea what they were thinking. They wanted to try something new, I guess. I just, I (laughs) Maybe they saw, like, the Star Wars fighting game and think that, like, we could do better than that. (laughs) And And we're throwing motion controls because that's what everybody wants. Getting back to that, Curse of Darkness was so cool because it it took place three years after Dracula's curse. Dracula was dead, but the curse was still there. So, um, yeah, the the guy who was going after Dracula, his name was, um, let's see, his name was Hector. A devil forge master. So mm. he was, uh, yeah, he used to he used to work. Um, he controlled Dracula's army for the most part. So it was it was pretty. The whole the whole concept was really cool. And then um, I remember uh, uh, Dave, a game that uh, our, our friend Greg really loved, and he still talks about it to this day, is *The Man of Innocence* that came out for PS2. That was amazing. Oh, okay. That yeah. was that was amazing. Like that was like. That well, that's if you look at the timeline of Castlevania, Lament of Innocence was how it all started. That's like it explains where the whip came from. It was actually before Dracula even existed. That was actually really cool. So it was like a power before Dracula. So it was really. I remember watching and playing in college. I was like, wow, this game is incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I know like that game as well as Arti Final were like his PS2 games pretty much. So. But I remember he didn't even have money for it. He's like, Andrew, can you split it 50 50 with me? I was like, absolutely. That's no problem. Mm-hmm. And he loved the game that much at the end of college. He's like, I love this game so much. I'll buy it. Oh, he's like, I'll buy you out of it. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're out of the contract. <laughs> I'm like, that's fine. It's yours. You can have it. I don't have a PS2. So you can keep it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he bought yep. you out of it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, like, if I keep it the rest of the money, can I keep it? Go ahead. I don't own a PS2. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll get into like also like our favorite titles as well. Uh, so let's go Andrew, Robert, and me. So Andrew, um, I, I believe you said like Castlevania 3 is your all-time favorite, right? Uh, Castlevania 3 is my all-time favorite, absolutely. Just because, you know, repeating myself here, just because first game I've ever played where you could play as multiple characters. Like, mm-hmm. that was just, you know, and like Robert said, 
multiple endings, depending who you sided with. You know, was it Alucard? Was it Grant? You know, it was just hands down my favorite Castlevania. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, and, and any other ones that kind of like, I don't know, like round out kind of like a top three for you? Or... It would have to be, I mean, it would, Dracula's Curse is number one. Super Castlevania for me would be um, two. And mm-hmm. Symphony of the Night. A lot of people say, it's like, I thought Symphony was your favorite. I love Symphony, don't get me wrong. But uh, Castlevania 3 and Super Castlevania, those two alone were just like, I never played a Castlevania game so much in my life between those two. Like, those games are just amazing. Like, you know, you know, you know the Castlevania collection. I I played the hell out of Castlevania 3 again and Super Castlevania, just going back and forth. It's just the nostalgia behind those two games are just, it's just incredible. You know what? I was going to say Symphony of the Night is my favorite, but I'm really feeling nostalgic between Bloodlines and uh, Super Castlevania 4. Um, I know Bloodlines is like super high up there for you. Yeah, Bloodlines is amazing. We were actually about to get a sequel at one point for PlayStation Portable because they announced it and then it never surfaced. Yeah, it made me mad. But whatever. Um, But, you know, (laughs) Super Castlevania 4 was good. Rondo of Blood is excellent. Uh, hard, hard as hell. Oh, hard, hard, hard. very oh, hard. Oh, God, that game, <laughs> that, game pissed, that game pissed me off. Oh my God, no. game no. PTSD. No. Yeah, yeah. All right, calm down, calm down. Count to ten. Um, <laughs> it was kind of interesting how Dracula X and Super Nintendo was completely, almost completely different. Like some of the music was the same, but the format was different in so many ways. Yeah, uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, yeah, graphics were pretty good. Um, and then, obviously, I, I got to give a shout out to Lords of Shadow. I think Lords of Shadow is an amazing game. Two was all right. You know, it, it just wasn't as good. I think like the stealth segments where you turn into a rat were kind of not needed because you're you're you know you're, you're Gabriel Belmont. Fuck fuck these giant machines. I'm gonna beat you with a whip. <laughs> you know, and, right. and then of course, obviously, Symphony of the Night. I gotta love that. But we also should give a shout out to the Game Boy Advance games. Like, you know, Circle of the Moon, Order of Ecclesia. I mean, those were amazing games. Like, we wanted, like, you know, follow-ups to Symphony of the Night. Technically, we got them. We just didn't get them on the PlayStation format. We got them on the Game Boy. Right. And they were really great games. And hopefully, we'll see a re-release of those. Because those deserve to be celebrated as well. Yeah. I mean, maybe if we get, like, Anniversary Collection 2 in that case, I think Mm -hmm. that would be, like, a good addition for sure. they They could do that. There's so many. There's so many. Like Robert said, there's so many good titles out there. Like... Getting back to what Robert said about Lords of Shadow, Lords of Shadow 1 was great, Lords of Shadow 2 was okay, but it was all over the place. Like, it was it was a beautiful yeah. game, but it was, it, it was like, you, you're Dracula, and then, I don't know if you, to Robert, I don't know if you ever played the DLC, you played as Alucard, and it explains who Alucard is. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that, that was very weird i'm sorry that was very very weird like he was it it was like a legacy thing that really didn't need to be it's sort of like when they added the endor content to the force unleashed 2 and you could kill han solo and chewbacca i'm like what's the point of that (laughs) there is no point to that you know it's like eh. what was he simon was he it was simon right yeah i think so he was simon belma he's like simon belma was like wait a minute i missed something simon zelicard what (laughs) <laughs> it, 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 was, it was offbeat. I mean, like, Lords of Shadow, doing the story entirely. I mean, Lords of Shadow 2 going more into the modern day kind of threw us all off to begin with, anyway. But, you know, it was, in, it was inspired to an extent, and Mercury's team still did their thing. So, I mean, it was decent to see the follow up. It just wasn't as good as the first. No, the first one, the first one was so awesome, especially yeah. the end fight when you, when you fought Satan. At the end, that was cool. That, that was, <laughs> no, it was awesome. But I mean, no, but it's, I mean, I don't want to give too much away. But you know, the ending of um, Lords of Shadow kind of explains how Gabriel becomes Dracula. It's it's um, 
it was it was cool. The whole twist behind it was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we won't spoil it here, but it's definitely cool. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, when it comes to like games in the Castlevania series, like there's there's so many. You know, there's like a Castlevania the arcade game, but it, it's like a light gun game, but instead of a light gun, you have a whip. Oh, and you right. do that. It yeah, was yeah. Uh, ah. it was the first game that was not produced by Koji Igarashi, but instead uh, Masayuki Ohashi. And it was really cool, you know, like at the time, you know, you could play with guns, but this one, you know, like, you you know, you could literally be Indiana Jones if you wanted to be, <laughs> which was really cool. Um, and then obviously, you know, Castlevania Chronicles for the PlayStation. It was originally released for MSX, but it came out for like the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Portable, I think, as a PS1 release. And it was really cool, too. Um, you know, so there are so many games that we could cover in the spectrum here, but it's like the standout ones are what's really important, I think, because they define the legacy. Like, how many people play Judgment? Like, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never played it, but I certainly checked out a lot of footage of it just out of curiosity. And yeah, it looks pretty bad, but that, it looks interesting as well. Also, I wouldn't mind actually playing it just to kind of like, you know, get in my mind what the feel of it is. And then <laughs> when you're done, like, well, that's it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, as far as like some of my favorite titles, uh, certainly Symphony of the Night is up there. Castlevania Three is certainly up there. You know, again, like with the um, ability to play as like multiple characters is really neat, and also like the multiple endings thing is really neat. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like a big sucker for any game that allows like for replayability in that sense, like where you can't play it a different way and get a different ending from playing that way. So. You know, so it's pretty neat with that. Um, but Robert, I think you know which one's my top favorite, right? <laughs> I can make a wild guess, but I'll let you say it anyway. Uh, Kid Dracula. <laughs> Although that's oh, in, you know God. that's oh, not no, really no. a Castlevania. Oh, no. You know that. I mean, it's a Castlevania spinoff. So <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't say Castlevania in the title. I mean, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It's a Castlevania spinoff. So. <laughs> No, that's like saying what's your that's like saying what's your favorite Silent Hill game? Well, uh, Super Bomberman R because Pyramid Head's in it. Yeah, we come. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite that, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I get it though. It's got the inspiration of Castlevania, mind, and it is in the Castlevania yeah. collection. So technically, I can't argue with you, but I still want to. I don't know why. I mean, Kid Dracula himself is basically Alucard before Alucard in a lot of ways. Like, he he is Alucard in, in a lot of ways. Um, I think he was the inspiration, really, for Alucard as far as, like, how he looks in some cases, but obviously he's, like, a chibi version of him in, in that case. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I just love it, because, like, it's it's basically, you know, it's basically a Mega Man game, but within, you know, with, like, with, with the Castlevania vibe, but obviously very, like, kind of, like, you know, bouncy and cartoony and just, like, you know, overall fun and stuff, so um i just absolutely love it i i you know i played through the entire game not too long ago uh before the castlevania collection came out because i was playing on my super nintendo classic and um yeah it's it's just it's just a lot of fun it's just it's just a really really cool fun game it's actually really hard um on one particular level it's like the second to last level i want to say like we are constantly jumping up on the uh was like the elevator to hell basically <laughs> like it, like it's going up and like you know like uh, you know where you're going higher and higher and you're going into space basically but like you have to have like precision platforming skills really in order to like flawlessly get through that and you're avoiding missiles and enemies and all this stuff it's just it's just crazy but um it is a lot of fun it's really really cool um and we also have some listener responses here as well on favorite castlevania games and memories uh, starting off with Harsh, who says, Best memories of Castlevania were most definitely those from playing Aria of Sorrow. Playing as Dracula's ah. Descendant, the multiple endings, Julius mode, soul stealing, and my most favorite part, the castle in the eclipse. Top tier stuff. So, 
definitely, definitely a big fan of Aria Sara there. Uh, Overlord Kego, who says Castlevania 1 on NES. It teaches me to be patient and plan ahead as a kid because the game design demanded it. Enemies and sub-weapons well-placed along with some good graphics, and the epic music made it one of the gems of the NES. Uh, there's also Florida Man who says fighting death while room of close associates is blaring in Super Castlevania 4. So, Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about the death fight in Super Castlevania uh, 4? Oh, okay. Yeah, death. Yeah, he was worse than Dracula. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's not – he wasn't fun. He, he was He was not fun. Um, I was. I was very, 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 very – very angry. Had to take some medication. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> um, but I do have to say he he was um, ten times worse in Dracula's Curse. Dracula's Curse. He was almost impossible, like just unbelievable. Because when um, Super Castlevania, at least you had the ways of you know controlling the whip. Like you could actually you know if he's up, you could actually control the whip to going up. In Dracula's Curse. He's got all those friggin' sights coming at you. You have no ways of avoiding it in Dracula's Curse. Like, it's it's impossible. Like, when you get to him, on the way to get to him, it's kind of like Ninja Gaiden. You cannot get hit before the boss, because when you get to the boss, guess what? If you got hit before you get to death, your de- your, your your health is your health when you get to him. So it's near, I mean, it's, it's possible, but... It's it's close like, to impossible. You're basically screwed though if you if you come if, there if without you, like level health. If, yeah. yeah, it's it's close to impossible. But Super Castlevania, yeah, he was he was. Uh, I'm just gonna say he was a pain in the ass. But um, he was a lot he was a lot more doable than Dracula's Curse by far. All right. Uh, there's also Logan Phillip who says, "OMG, bro, Cynthia Knight. The first time I ran into Grandfaloon as a kid, it was the most nuts thing I had ever seen in video games at the time." So, uh, Robert, do you know about Grandfaloon? I do not. Grand Faloon. Yeah. Like he says Grand Faloon. Um, it sounds more like a puzzle game than a I never even yeah, heard of that. Like I never heard of that. Look up. I'm uh, looking Grand I'm looking Faloon up the like the Wikipedia thing. It says like in the fictional religion of Bokanonism is known as a false carcass. Carus? <laughs> Cars? <laughs> uh, well, okay. finding like the uh, from Castlevania wiki here, his like profile uh, has him described as a nightmarish creature composed of many. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just like this big ball of like I don't know cranial matter. It looks like he's just like a giant like ballish brain kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> what's so What's so grand about that? I don't nothing. Know. Just nothing. I mean, maybe lovely. he's the father brain to the mother brain in Metroid. So you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a terrible relation. That'd be a terrible. Just... Maybe he's really the Lord of Darkness. Maybe, you know? maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe Dracula is just a pawn. Yeah, I mean, how would you like to answer to, like a big ball of like cranial mass? Be like, oh, <laughs> that's Mister Grandfaloon to you. <laughs> that's Mister Cranial Mass to you. <laughs> I, 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 Damn it! You're going to respect me. I feel like we're talking. About, I feel like we're talking about Crane from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. No crying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are you, Dracula? We need to get to Dimension X. It just, you know, I don't think that's going to work. It's making the crossovers there. Wow. Um, there's also Corey Dennis, who says, Akamaju Densetsu and Super Castlevania 4, beating the original Ooh. mode of Castlevania Chronicles six times. It gets harder every time and peaks at the yep. sixth yes, playthrough. Yes, 
Yes. It really does, but it's so good. Yeah, uh-huh. so definitely a lot of props there to Corey. Uh, there's also George Eokamidis, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, the best of the best will always be Rondo of Blood for the PC engine. Nothing else comes close to that kind of gameplay. Once they transition more to the RPG elements, I guess the DS games are the top. The 3D ones are good games, but I do not think they keep the spirit well, which is uh, certainly something that we talked about earlier during the main topic. Uh, Scott Murphy, who says Symphony of the Night is probably one of the top five games ever made, uh, which I know a lot of people share that uh, you know share that opinion as well. Uh, Robert Colicchio, who says I talked to a guy who said it is just a whip game, and then proceeded to tell me never uh, that um, that I never played any PlayStation games. <laughs> On a side note, it is my favorite PS One game. <laughs> Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah, it's just a whip game. That's all it is. Um, So there's Mohammed Hafour who says Super Castlevania 4, The Cellar, Stage 8. So, Andrew, Uh what can you tell us about The Cellar? Okay. Uh, (laughs) I hate that level. Oh, Oh, what, what, what can I say about that? Oh, boy. That level is is hard as hell. Like it, this just you're, you're climbing up the stairs. It's one of those classic Castlevanias. You're climbing up the stairs. Things are coming at you. Things are coming. Things are coming out of the ground that are trying to that that are trying to attack you. Um, I believe there's some Medusa heads over there too that come oh, at you. So heads. it's just a it's a mess. Fair enough. Uh, there's also Jim Landry who says, "Pretty sure my ten year old self broke an NES controller from that friggin' water rising level in the later parts of Castlevania 3. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which God. Um, I certainly remember as well. Um, you know, like anything with like you know, where, where like the water rises, or if you have like lava rising, or whatever kind of like level that's like that, any platformer. I mean, this is generally going to be a bad time for you. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely feel you there. And um, the last one here, we have uh, Joel Salazar Cervantes, who says, I'm a fan of the later games. Symphony is the best because of the changes they did compared to older versions. One through three were balls hard, and I never beat them. I made it pretty far in four on, on SNES, so I like that one more, too. I never played Dracula X back then, as it was hard to find, but it's true that the SNES port is gimped. Since um, Yeah, because I, I know that, uh, that, uh, that Dracula X is basically the SNES version of Rondo of Blood, but they made, they made a lot of changes to it. So, um, And he continues with Symphony of the Night is the decisive changer to the series, like Resident Evil 4 did for the rest of the franchise. I've beaten almost all of the rest on Nintendo's handhelds, except I couldn't beat that last mini boss rush in Order of Ecclesia. So I don't know if either of you can speak on that, the boss rush in Order of Ecclesia. If I recall, it's just like a bunch of different boss battles put together, and they were tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I remember hearing about it, but like I was never, uh, you know, I, I've, I've I've never played the game, so I can't really say for sure. But thank you, everyone, there for sharing your favorite Castlevania games and memories. So thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, Robert, I believe you have a game code to give away. Yeah, I do not have a Castlevania game to give away, sadly, but I do have a code to give away for a game called Blazing Beaks. Uh, this is a roguelite adventure where too much greediness can be fatal. A colorful world with armed birds blazing their way through piles of mutants, monsters, and creepy creatures. Lots of mysteries to unravel, secrets to discover, and levels to explore. If you like Legend of Zelda games, this is the game for you. This is for Blazing Beaks on Steam. It is 754MD432RF. P-A-Z-R-3. That is for Blazing Beaks on Steam. Enjoy and let us know at twitter.com slash podcast if you do indeed redeem that. And uh, Rob, I believe you have another story or a couple stories really that you want to bring up here, right? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, if you're a fan of uh, 
Aladdin and Lion King on the uh, Genesis or Super Nintendo, or uh, Lion King on Super Nintendo or Genesis, Aladdin on Genesis. Uh, there's some good news. Obviously, aside from the collection that's releasing next week for Switch, PS4, and Xbox One, IM8 Bit is doing this neat thing where they're releasing both collector's edition cartridges of the Lion King on Super Nintendo and Aladdin on Sega Genesis. Uh, what's going on is they're going for $99.99 a piece. They come in collector's boxes and they feature limited edition cartridges the Lion King emblazed in yellow and Aladdin in a see through red. Uh, they're very cool. And I believe they're also working with Nighthawk on a special collector's edition of the Switch version of the game uh, for Aladdin and Lion King, which will come out sometime in January, I think. It's a little yeah, while. It's like multiple versions of it, though. Yeah, yeah they have like, like two in, boxes. Like, they have one for Super Nintendo, one for Sega Genesis, depending on which one you kind of wanted to go for. Right. But they also have like the Switch version there as well, which is, you know, which has like the Switch game in it, plus like the poster. Well, that's, that's what I mean. Manual. There it's, yeah. yeah. Poster, manual. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really cool collector's edition. I mean, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to get the regular edition of the game because I want to play it. But I mean, if you're if you're a fan of either of these games, it's really cool. Uh, you know, if you like these games, obviously, uh, you know, I am a bit kind of up their quality a little bit since that whole thing with Street Fighter 2 cartridge they started a few years ago. You know, they had the Mega Man cartridge and all that. So now they have these cartridges and they're going to be quite the collectibles for fans who really want to enjoy the games. Just a heads up, though, Lion King, if you want to talk about hard as nails. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, Here yeah. goes. <laughs> and uh, also uh, one other quick shout out. My buddy over there at NBA Jam, the book uh, from Boss Fight Books, they have finally released their book. This digs into... The rise and fall and the return of, of the NBA Jam arcade game and also delves in the details about 90s arcade games and Midway in general. Uh, if you want to find out more, go follow NBA Jam Book on Twitter. The book is available now through Kindle and paperback over there on Amazon. And there are also a number of different details available. So follow that account, learn more, and don't forget to jam. Indeed. And um, if that is more of your jam as well, oh, uh, you can that. certainly listen um, to our arcade sports episode where we had Tim Kitzrow and Michael Mendheim on and they were blitzed out of their minds. So it's just pure, pure entertainment for that alone. Honestly, So, He's um, on so definitely one episode. Exactly. <laughs> so definitely one episode I would highly recommend if you have not listened to that one already or if you have already, then I mean, it's, it's still fun to listen to. So. <laughs> listen to it again. Listen to it five more times until it's settled in your brain like a grand falloon. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um and yeah that's basically our cast episode 181 in the books and uh andrew is there anything that you want to promote like any self-promotion or anything that you want to mention here before we close up well you know i appreciate i just like to say thank you to you and robert for having me as a uh as a guest on this it was really awesome lots oh, yeah, of, of fun lots of fun um getting back to what robert just said um lion king aladdin i can't wait I really can't. I have, I have it pre-ordered, ready to go. Uh, Nintendo Switch, can't wait. Um, I think I'm going to hand it off to my son, Aid and say, hey, have fun. And, <laughs> Disney games, how hard can they I'm be? Just, I'm like, these are the games that used to infuriate your daddy. Have fun. <laughs> play as Simba. No, I I, I, I honestly, I, I, I'm very good. Those games are great. Dark Souls is hard. Yeah, play Lion King. Just, just, yeah. Just, play, yeah, just, 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 yeah. just play Lion. Yeah, just, just play Lion King. Play Aladdin. I, I don't want to hear about your soul, your, your Dark Souls. 
how it's impossible. <laughs> no, no, nonsense. <laughs> no. Seeing your Thomas the Tank Engine game. <laughs> why, why aren't the giraffes my friends? Why are they being such dicks? You know that's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, Robert, you exactly. had to bring up that level. Oh, that's a great level. Yeah, no, yeah, the best level, the best level. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 there you go. No, well, how, how, how about the stampede level? That was cool. That was fun. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> and um also just want to give like a shout out here to to our patrons francisco limas mac the ball and mega daffy so thank you very much guys for helping support the show and if you too would also like to support the show you could check out our patreon at patreon.com slash rcast where you can see all the different perks in order to help support the show and um you know and also like ways uh they could be like involved in the show too uh, including being like yeah. a guest on the show just like our last episode with mega daffy so yeah absolutely and all it takes is just a little bit per month to support us and everything and we will give you all the love in return we assure you if you invest in us it will not be like fallout 76 you actually get something good in return indeed indeed yeah <laughs> so yeah that is uh Arcast episode 181 in the books and if you would like to follow our cast on twitter we are at arc podcast same thing with facebook facebook.com slash arc podcast and you can follow me on twitter at the guilty man follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash the dcd you can also check my work at svg.com gamepur.com adventures and and mmogames.com yes i write for a lot of sites but it's a lot of fun it's a living <laughs> If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at argcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. There is also us with Argcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there is absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. All right, that is episode number 181 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. And if you have a boss that's nothing but a giant ball of cranial mass, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a grand falloon for you. They're taking over all the high positions. It could be Krang all over again. I mean, yeah. what, what is a man? You know, what, what is a man? What is a Krang? <laughs> a big mass of cranial. <laughs> Good God. Robert, what are your thoughts about Castlevania that got re-released for PlayStation 4? Uh, wait, which one? Are you talking about, like, the Requiem? No, I'm talking about Symphony of the Night when they changed the voice acting. They changed oh, the yeah. title. They changed that, it, yeah. That, that, no, I, I, I bought it. I remember I talked to Dave about it that night. I'm like, I played five minutes of it, and it got deleted. I'm like, nope. And was a miserable little pirate. No, you were a miserable little pirate of secrets. Literally, you are a yeah. miserable. That's pile the line. Of Say secrets. the line. You know, <laughs> miserable little pile of secrets. Like even when you control Alucard and he goes after enemies, he goes, huh, huh. I'm like, no. He never made those noises. He, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I like, huh. I, no, no, no. Seriously. Alucard never made noises. No. No, no, no. no I'm sorry. When, when I like wash my car, every time. when I wash my car, those noises make, huh. Okay, the windshield's won't clean. Huh. There goes the tire. Huh. <laughs> Don't you know that, that, that that's a common noise? What is a man? A middle of a miserable little pile of huhs. <laughs> we will see you next week on episode number 182, unless we're taken over by Grand Falloons. Yeah. <laughs> Catch you guys later.
Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.